Welcome back to another episode of Bobcast, where I interview outliers who are breaking the mold regardless of the status quo so you can learn how they did it. And today on the show, I have my man Jake Bajorseth. Jake is the founder of Trendsetters Media. Trendsetters was created as a Gen Z advertising company by Gen Z to educate and inform and also work alongside large and small brands so they can actually speak to the Gen Z audience, right? So um, we talk about it a little bit in the episode, but uh, Gen Z is roughly defined by people aged 12 to 24, just depending on the metric that you're looking at. So if you were wondering about Gen Z itself and what that age range looks like. And on the show today, we dive into everything Gen Z related. Coming up in the Snapchat Instagram generation, um, Jake getting 8 billion impressions on one of his ad campaigns working with a very, very large company that we disclosed in the episode. Um, So it was really interesting to talk through that and also just open up the floor about Gen Z and what's happening um, kind of in our lives when it comes to marketing and, and the digital world. So we dive into all those different topics. This was just super interesting to delve into the mind of somebody who's working on the advertising campaigns that you're seeing in front of you on your screen. So very interesting episode, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, our sponsor is SodaBeats.com, S-O-D-A-B-E-A-T-S, uh, the best way to make hip-hop beats online. Please use the link in our show notes to try that out. All right, let's get to the episode with my man, Jake Bajorseth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bopcast. Today on the podcast, I have my man, Jake Bajorseth. I met him, or not met him, connected with him on LinkedIn uh, after I edited an episode of one of my friend's podcasts where uh, he had him on the show and and you were talking about Gen Z, you were talking about your business. I connected directly with what you were doing. I was somebody in college who, very similar story, you're definitely, you know, gonna go into it, but, um, you know, in these circles around these people where I'm like, like, I see what they're trying to do, but nobody's really doing anything. And, and, and I just felt like I was kind of like on this solo mission uh, it, while I was in college to try to like make money and freelance and try to build something. So, um, you know, I, I just connected with your story after I added the episode and, you know, now we got, we're at like a little more than a year later, but we've grown in that time and, and, uh, it's exciting to have you on the show, talk about Gen C, talk about what you've built. And as I said, we're kind of going to go, um, in a few different directions today, but Jake, if you could for us, um, set a little bit of a context for the listeners and let them know kind of who you are, uh, and what you do, uh, you can take as long or as short. Uh, to answer that question. And then we're just going to kind of dive in from there and see where the conversation takes us. Perfect. Ryan, thanks so much for the uh, the incredible intro. For those that don't know, I'm the founder here at a company called Trendsetters. We're a Gen Z agency um, owned and operated by primarily Gen Z. And we ultimately help brands understand and reach that exact same demographic. Uh, for those that don't know, that demographic is between the age of 12 and 25. And, um, you know, the reason why we exist is because in the, the the corporate landscape and the companies that are operating these uh, corporate brands as well as startups, you know the majority of your team members are not in fact a part of Gen Z, uh, and even if they are, they're entry level, they're interns, and they're really not at the decision making table. And so we essentially come in to provide the strategic expertise as well as the marketing execution that's going to be necessary to reach them. So. All things social, TikTok, influencer marketing, content, 
this whole next gen of marketing is where we really focus on. And, um, you know, it's focused less on the marketing and the, the mediums and more on the audience that we're trying to go after. Um, and I think there's, there's so much about this generation that is unique and makes it incredibly difficult to reach. And I think a very surface level approach is one that will not be successful as we've seen time and time again with brands. Um, so it's a really underdressed market and we're, uh, we're essentially working with fortune 500 brands and venture back startups to, uh, solve this problem. And let's get real, Jake. We're the ones who grew up with this stuff. We understand it intimately. We use it differently, differently than everybody else. We use it differently than people who are just starting to adopt it and, 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 you know, actually incorporate it into their lives. Like it was almost forced on our, on our lives to an extent where it's like, if you didn't have a Snapchat, you were weird. And, but that was before Snapchat was actually, you know, what they are now, which is this huge advertising platform and Instagram as well. Um, like we really got an intimate, look at like how these companies evolved and obviously we were the we were the product right so we didn't really realize what was happening um but yeah man you know 50 different directions i can go i'd love to take it back a little bit though like i said i wanted to touch on um kind of the how you built a business the the mindset you know what was it what made you i want to do this and what made you actually realize that you could actually make money from it because that's something that's very important to me i think people should be able to just should know that they can make money online they can start a business online uh, whether that's marketing whether that's editing it, it doesn't matter what it is um but could you kind of speak a little bit on what it was like to start that business i think you were in college but maybe then you left and and i don't want to fill in the gaps of your story for you but if you could yeah. just speak on that a little bit yeah you know it was never my plan to run a company that exists like this or you know, attack this particular market or angle. Um, I think all great businesses don't come from a, you know, a, a true thoughtful plan, but more so a recognized need in a marketplace. And then a visionary that sees that recognized need and goes in, creates the solution for it. You know, so I was 18 years old when the company started. I was a freshman in college. And when it really hit me was, it was actually my first week on campus. I was, uh, you know, instead of going to class, it's syllabus week, so you skip that. And instead, I was on a consulting call with a uh, with a company called Noodles and Company, which has hundreds of locations across the U.S. And I was called in to consult their team on all things Snapchat. And within that call, probably within the first two minutes, I quickly realized that this has nothing to do with Snapchat. This is a Gen Z problem, not a Snapchat problem. You know, asking me things like, you know, do young people like pad thai or mac and cheese? And, you know, it wasn't that elementary in terms of the questioning, but it was pretty damn close. And it was in that moment that I realized the flaw that exists within corporate companies that leverage insights on surveys and polling to, you know, from external vendors and partners to then make significant business decisions about their future um, and about the demographic that they're trying to reach. And so it was at that moment that that I really honed in and said, okay, you know, there's an opportunity here, but I didn't know what the solution was going to be. I didn't know what I was going to build. You know, you fast forward three weeks later, I uh, slip, hit my chin and shatter my jaw in about nine places. And after three jaw surgeries and, you know, having my jaws wired shut for uh, three to four months, you know, I got to use that time where I was not in class and still trying to find a way to kind of get through 
that's when I was really building like the the core of the business. And I said, you know, there's no better time than now. You know, I can't leave my room. I can't leave my bed. Uh, I can't even talk, let alone eat. Uh, I'm eating out of a straw that I'm putting behind my, you know, wired, uh, wired shut face. And so, you know, if there's ever time to, to really go after it, I think now is the time. And so, you know, that was the impetus. And then from there, you know, it was, uh, hitting the ground running after my freshman year in school, I still finished it out, but honestly probably spent more time working on the business than I did working on any sort of class. Um, and then, you know, one thing happens, another thing happens. And before you know it, the, the company's growing like crazy and I decide not to go back to school and to pursue it full time. And that was, uh, that was four years ago now. And so now I'm, I'm 22 that took place all in Kansas city. And um, now I'm here in beautiful Los Angeles, um, 200 feet from the beach. So uh, it's, it's turned out well thus far, but there's plenty more work to, uh, to do. Incredible. And I love that you said you touch on recognizing the need. Um, you seem to be good at that. You recognize the need. You recognize the moment in time. You're like, oh, shit, I'm never going to have more time than I have right now. And that's just and keeping in the vein of of Gen Z. I just that I felt the same way. I mean, I worked for a corporate marketing company uh, when I was in college. And, um, you know, like, as you said, uh, as you touched on the Harrison's podcast, too, you, 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 you set your schedule for two days a week and then the other days you would work. Um, and it's like I did the same thing, man. Like I would do my emails in my first class because I knew I didn't have to pay attention in that class. That's where I would answer my emails for the company I was working for. And then I would have a class and then I would go in the library and find a spot and take a call. And then I would have a class and, but it was all centered around work and it felt like school was just kind of just fitting in. It wasn't, it wasn't like the emphasis wasn't on that. Um, and you recognize that early. And so kind of going from there, like, okay, so you're building this company. Um, you're kind of building the, the, the first iterations of it when you're down, down and out, basically, you're just, you know, can't, can't even move, can't even do anything. Um, and so from there, what did it look like when you start to, you know, you start to be able to speak again and, and you kind of, you know, they take the, take the metal out off of, off your, off your face, so to say, like, what is that transition? Are you like, do you then start going to market for companies to Gen Z? Are you consulting? Like, what did that, what did the work look like? And then I'm going to go into incorporating, like building a team and, and people, but what did that first work look like with trendsetters? Yeah. So, you know, I knew where I wanted to go. I didn't know how we were going to get there. And so early off, rather than trying to preset or make premeditated decisions, and I think this is really important for anyone trying to start any sort of business venture or side hustle, whatever it is, really, which is, you know, I, I didn't try to go out and, and make premeditated decisions about what I'll end up doing or what that would look like. I just said, look, here's the problem. Let me learn more about the problem. And then let me, you know, I think I know the solution, but let's, let's kind of figure it out and let's really figure out the problem more in depth because, you know, Gen Z as a problem is pretty, pretty grandiose um, and, and a little bit too big of a problem for, you know, just some kid to solve. But, you know, there's probably different elements that coincide with that that are a little bit smaller that we could tackle. And so, you know, it was just going and having conversations with, at the time, it was very small businesses, like small, 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 small businesses. And, um, you know, solo entrepreneurs, all of that stuff. And it's funny, I saw my first client while my jaws were still wired shut. So, you know, we, we kind of just ran with it. And it was something I was so passionate about that, that we were able to, uh, 
you know, to, to really attack it well. And, you know, at the time it was servicing accounts for, you know, maybe 500 bucks or $250 or a thousand dollars, but it was anything just to get the experience necessary to then learn and then use those learnings to, to determine where we're going to go next. And the one thing that, that I, I knew that I had on my side, um, you know, I didn't have a network, I didn't have connections, I didn't have capital. Um, I didn't have any of that, but what I did have on my side was time. And when you have time on your side, and that's the only true advantage you have, you have to focus solely on that and not to take for granted that you have time. And so instead, what I really focused on was speed, which is how do I move as fast as possible to maximize my inherent advantage, with this, which is time. And so that's what I was focused on. How do I you know, bring on new clients as soon as possible? How do I then finish those projects as quickly as possible? How do I make case studies around those projects as soon as possible? How do I just move with incredible velocity? Um, and so even when we were making no money at all, I was hiring other people to be a part of the company because I was like, hey, you know, I could spend 20 hours filming and editing this video, or I could hire someone else to do it. I'm not going to make any money in the back end, but it's going to be a case study because at the end of the day, like I'm not going to be able to, to retire off of this $1,000 a month contract that probably isn't going to exist six months from now. So I was focused always on getting to the next level. And, um, you know, that's what really helped me was uh, leveraging that that inherent advantage that you have being a younger individual, which is going to be time. And, um, you know, that's what it looked like early on. And it was a lot of uh, a lot of hours and a lot of time wasted doing dumb things. But I would much rather waste my time doing a lot of dumb things so long as I'm doing a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I think you need to be able to not be afraid of making a mistake or a wrong decision. Mm -hmm. I, I always think if you don't have money, you probably have time. If you don't have time, you probably have money. You know, like that's normally, yeah. that's generally uh, the truth. And I think that a lot of, and what you did is, is I'm not sure if this was ingrained in you or this is just natural, just happened, but you had some kind of realization, you know, like you had something where you knew you had the self-awareness. Now, I think that is the major disconnect with people is that they don't really have the self-awareness to know that they're in the position where they have the most time and they'll never have more time in their entire life. And then people wake up, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, hopefully not 60 years later and realize that they actually had way more time back then. Um, and so I don't know, like I just, I, I try to find ways to make it to, so people can learn how to do it. But I'm, but other than meditation and, and things like that, things that have helped myself, I can't like, it's hard to say, yeah, just know when you have an opportunity and just seize it. You know, it's like, you almost have to get good at that. Yeah. Um, and I want to just touch on this a little bit uh, before we move forward, which is um, like influences, like were your parents entrepreneurs? Like, did you, like you said, you didn't know you were going to start a business, but like, you, did you have some kind of, cause you definitely have a very high self-awareness. So I don't know if that was from something that you cultivated or it was kind of just natural in your life, but could you, did you see any type of conscious or subconscious kind of influences? And, uh, I really asked that only because maybe people can, you know, use those influences in their own life and, and take advantage of them. So I'm just wondering where, what were your kind of like influences, maybe direct or indirect? Yeah. Well, my parents weren't entrepreneurs. They, um, you know, I'm the oldest of three brothers and I grew up with, you know, in a neighborhood surrounded by 25 guys all within like three years of me. Um, 
So, you know, you develop some leadership skills pretty early and some, uh, some aggression and some other things when you're surrounded by um, really just a ton of dudes that you all grow up together and you're playing sports together and you're beating the shit out of each other. And that's just, that's just how it goes right in the neighborhood. And um, that was, a, you know, incredible experience that really developed a lot of the foundation of who I am. You know, my parents weren't entrepreneurs, but they certainly kind of paved the way in terms of uh, giving me that, that independence early on to, to make my own decisions and to back those decisions, you know, however they see, you know, they would back the decision with whatever that decision was. And, um, you know, something that I noticed that I think a lot of the, the peers and friends that I grew up with simply didn't have was, was exactly that. Like I could come home and say, Hey, I want to quit playing this sport. I want to play like lacrosse or something. And they're like, sure. I like, we don't care. And, Oh, I want to go do this, or I'm into this. And they were very much not ever imposing their will to shape who I was from a, a personality standpoint or what I was interested in. And that was really impressive because you know, I try to imagine myself as a parent, which is a little bit scary, but overall, I, I think like, damn, I would, I would probably try to like, Hey, let me make sure you're, you're not into this because that's kind of weird. Right. Like, you know, I would definitely have some of that imposing, you know, character and trying to impose my, my will on someone else. And, um, I think it's, it's, you know, that allowed me to cultivate a level of self-awareness because, I wasn't listening to the feedback from anyone else because I wasn't receiving it. It was totally just in my own head. Hey, do I actually enjoy this? Is this right for me? And that's kind of where you develop the basis for a lot of self-awareness is uh, you're able to float across a lot of different things and, and see ultimately, is that a good fit for you or not? Um, as opposed to someone telling you, you know, what's the right fit for you? Yeah, I think if you have a lot of that kind of overarching um, influence or mandatory influence, I guess you could call it, of like, no, you can't do this, you have to do this, that kind of people just telling you what you have to do, then you're so right. You're not going to generate that self-awareness because you're not going to need it because you're not going to be able to even use it because you're going to know that somebody is going to shut down your idea. And I think that's a huge problem. Hey, I if I dropped out of college a year in, like, it would have been... Like my parents, they were like, you got to do two years. No questions asked. You know, they didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. They didn't go. They wanted me to go for two years. I actually ended up, I ended up doing four, ended up, you know, paying my tuition, um, getting like a small loan and stuff and making it work um, and really doing it for me and just finishing because I hated quitting things and stopping things. And I just did it just to finish it basically at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, so there's my perspective, then there's yours, your parents are like, yeah, cool, do what you want to do. Then there's other parents that are like, if you don't get a master's, like you better get out of here because like what Gary V says all the time is that they're, it's on their dime. So if they're paying for it, you got to do what you want, they want you to do, you know? Um, and kind of before I get back to the Gen Z, I would like to kind of touch on that, stay on that self-awareness, um, in that self-awareness lane and go a little bit more into like, kind of like daily you know, activities like you have to manage people, you have to manage yourself, you have a business, you have decisions, big decisions, small decisions you have to make on a daily basis. Like, do you exercise? Do you meditate? Like, are those things important to you? Like, what is your lifestyle looking like? And is that important to you? And has it evolved um, kind of as you've built this business? That's a personal question for me because I'm so obsessed with that stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, I think meditation, I think diet, I think exercise are definitely all a part of it. There's some other things as well. 
um, you know, reading, like what is the, the information you're consuming? And if I'm being honest, you know, there was uh, my first three years in business, I was really religious with that stuff. Um, you know, I would, I want to say like throughout COVID to like the year 2020, uh, I ran something like six marathons and we did this day called hell on earth where we ran a marathon, then uh, a thousand pushups, 500 pull-ups, and then a 12 mile ruck with 34 pound weight vests running, walking at a, a 20 minute mile pace, which relatively fast. So, you know, we did a lot of this, this crazy stuff and I was a freak about making sure, Hey, I'm up by four or five and I'm doing this. And, and I was really aggressive with it. And then, you know, this year I've kind of changed that because, um, I didn't want to become, uh, I want, I didn't want to become a victim of my own, uh, schedule and my own like routine. And I found myself definitely becoming that where it was still good for me, but you know, maybe I would sleep in from time to time and, and just kind of relax with it. So, you know, since then I've been a lot more fluid throughout this year. Part of that has been beneficial. Part of that hasn't, I would say what's been most beneficial about being a little bit more fluid, which when I say fluid, it's not allowing you to slack off whenever you want. It's just more so, Hey, I'm going to get that done when I feel like getting that done. And I'm going to move more in tune with my body as opposed to a a calendar created by this external clock that everyone on the planet follows, but our bodies have their own kind of clock that they, they want to follow on their own. And so, um, no, it's, you know, this year I've kind of shift that up. I think everything in that realm is important. Uh, what's most important is I would say two items, one understanding all of those different things and knowing how to do them well, um, and how they ultimately impact your body and why you should be doing them. That's number one. And I think most people, they know the surface level of meditation and mental health and, you know, brain exercises and a bunch of other things and working out and, you know, diets. I think they know the surface level, but I don't think they, they know, you know, the 37 different diets out there or the 19 different workout, not only programs, but styles or, you know, the, the seven different meditation models or, you know, so. I think it's important to understand those more in depth because once you understand them, you can have more of a tactical reasoning for deploying different parts of it, which might change over time. But, you know, then you can find ultimately what works best. Then I think the second thing is um, figuring out what works best from you once you know everything. Now, the biggest problem, though, I see is that people try to figure out what's going to work best for them before they know everything under the sun. You know, there's no answer in terms of, hey, you should be fasting every single day until 4 p.m. or you should follow a keto diet or, you know, you should uh, you should limit carbs or you should go a little bit more carb heavy and let's go with a vegan diet. Like the reality is like there's a million different diets out there and I'm just looking at diet, not all of the other factors that that are also crucial to this. Um, but you're not going to know what works for you until you not only learn about all of those, but then start testing a little bit. I mean, I've probably tested with every diet, every workout plan, every meditation style, like I've done it all. And the reason being, I wanted to figure out what's going to work best for me. And also I have these moments where I'll, I'll kind of tap into, Hey, this is what I normally go with, but you know, today I'm feeling, feeling more of this. And, and so I've made things a little bit more fluid in terms of my routine and I haven't made it as mandatory. Um, and it, and it, it becomes more of a necessity. But part of that is, is that all of these things I kind of operate with and 
instead of being like the mandatories, they're more of like, hey, these are the tools in my toolbox. Um, and when you flip it in that way, you start looking at those more positively. You're like, it's not meditation. It's like in terms of something you have to do, it's like, no, no, no. I, I'm going to spend like 10 minutes meditating real quick because then I'm going to crush the rest of my day. Okay. That's awesome. Now, like that's a good investment of my time. You know, I'm going to go spend an hour and a half working out because I'm going to feel incredible later, you know, after working out. So when you look at them more as like tools that are going to help you, um, as opposed to things you like must mandatorily do, um, I think that's when it becomes, they all become a lot more beneficial. Um, so with, I did the same thing, man. I used to be so like I same with you, man. I did um, intermittent fasting for eight months. I mean, I ate, you know, two meals a day and I fasted 16 hours or whatever that that whole protocol is. Um, I've 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 tried all of that as well. And I found and I did the hardcore working out for five years straight every six days a week and counting the calories and all that. And I just wasn't as happy doing that. So and that's what you're saying, too. It's like it's a couple things that I got is, first of all, you ha same thing with this podcast. If I wake up and I have to do this podcast today and I'm really not feeling it and I get to another episode, another episode, another episode, and I'm like, oh, I'm not having fun anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. It just wouldn't make sense for me to do it. And that's how it is with everything or working out. It's like if you're not actually enjoying it and you're doing it just because you have to do it, quote unquote, then at that point, you kind of have to rethink the why. And so that's what I think is kind of what you said is you look at the reason why, like, why am I meditating? Well, I'm going to clear my mind because, and that's going to make my day so much better because I have 16 meetings or whatever. Um, but yeah, so transitioning now, just because I think you'd have insight here. These companies that say are trying to market to Gen Z who um, maybe don't understand Gen Z or they're trying to do it just because they have to do it. Like, what is like, what is the biggest problem with with that? Is it the fact that they don't understand that they're trying to bring in one kid who's going to tell them the magic answer? Is it the fact that they assume from surveys that aren't actually true? Like, what did you see as the biggest problem? And then has that problem changed now that you've been doing this for five years? I know there's a lot in there, but we can break it down. Yeah. You know, to start in terms of where the problem exists, the problem is a perceived under a, uh, a perceived understanding of Gen Z. It is thinking that we understand this generation when in reality we don't. And where that, that perceived knowledge of something comes from is from consuming a lot of information about it. You know, I've heard horrific uh, takes along the lines of, you know, I, you know, I use kids as my insights group and it's, you know, as if we should be making business decisions based on, you know, our two to three kids or whatever. And <laughs> very, very concerning. That's a red flag, right? And- uh, Well, so you're saying like people would like use their own kids as an example or something? Yeah, you know- And be like, oh, all kids are like this. We'll just, they, they have, this one has TikTok, then, oh, TikTok, you know? Exactly. They're just using one case, one anecdotal case study of their own kids, which is like the worst anecdote that you could possibly use because it's not, you're not removed from it. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I had to just understand that a little more. That's crazy. Yeah. And the, and, and the problem is like, Ryan, are, are you, uh, what's a weird sport? Ryan, do you know anything about field hockey? Very, very little. No, I know. Yeah. Basically nothing. So if I asked you to commentate a field hockey game and then give do the post game interviews for field hockey game, 
what, what questions would you ask? It would be incredibly surface level. You wouldn't know what the hell to even, you'd be watching the game. You wouldn't know what the hell to even look for, right? Like, I don't even know the rules. What's the time? What's the score? How many players are even on the? There's a weird out of bounds thing. I think that happened. I don't know. Refs, I think, make a good amount of yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. Know. That's all I know. <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, that said, that is the problem when it comes to Gen Z. You don't, you aren't a part of the generation. So you don't even know what to ask and you don't even know what to try to find. And so what you come back with is very surface level insights that might not act, not, might not only not be an accurate de depiction, but they might not even matter at all. Um, and so I think those are some of the reasons and those are some of the biggest problems that exist in corporate America is, you know, it's not that it's not only that we don't understand Gen Z, it's that we have a perception that we do and we are making business decisions uh, on a decision-making basis that has zero validation. And to me, that is incredibly concerning. And, you know, in terms of any sort of improvement, that problem itself hasn't really improved at all. The problem that has improved and that I would give credit to is the overall empowerment of the generation at you know corporate meetings and um you know i think more and more companies are hiring younger they're not requiring de degrees they're starting to give gen z a little bit more of a seat at the table you know and so i think overall like it's still a big problem and it's getting better in terms of the conversations being had uh but the problem itself isn't isn't going away anytime soon can, do you have an example of, not to put you on the spot, and it's okay if you don't, but do you have an example of a company that maybe tried to do, you know, something, tried to market to Gen Z, and it was just like, wow, obviously this is very, very far off. I'm thinking about even Facebook, man. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure they even, I don't I don't even think they, did they buy Instagram because, as a strictly business decision, or did they buy it because they realized younger people were dying off on Facebook? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, likely a combination of the two. I think, uh... You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if they made a bid in at TikTok, but the government was not going to let that one go through. Um, you know, that would be sheer monopoly in the social media sphere. You know, I think Facebook. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's I mean, what a time to be alive when, it, you know, a platform that was really only started 10 years ago and 10 years ago, the only people that can be on the platform were who college students and 10 years later. There's no one spending more time on the platform than, you know, my grandparents. And I think that's very indicative of the acceleration of technology uh, and not just technology, but consumer behavior. You know, look at the let's just take a, a you know, random 60 year old. And this isn't to say anything bad about any old people, by the way. So I, I want all the old people to, to chill out that are listening to this um, because it, it's a good thing. And, you know, in 2010, how well could that individual have figured out technology and everything taking place and, you know, how to, how to use like an iPhone, let alone Facebook and post photos and all that other stuff. Like it's, it's kind of tricky. And, uh, you know, only a decade later, that 60 year old, that's now a 70 year old is now seamlessly managing plenty of apps on their phone. They're, they're managing different social media accounts. They're checking on their, their kids, not only on Facebook, but also on Instagram um, they're probably watching YouTube videos. They're, you know, only getting their emails on their phone. Like that's the reality of the evolution of consumer behavior. It, it's incredibly quick. And, 
what I, I think Facebook failed to understand or to understand that, you know, the OG Facebook crew, which were 18 to 22 years old when they joined, has all but left the platform. You know, that's a demographic now. Look at, you know, 28 to 32. Are they anywhere on Facebook? You know, maybe here and there, maybe getting married and posting stuff, right? Like that's a good marriage age range. Um, but they're spending most of their time on Instagram and now, you know, cycling to Twitter and TikTok and a bunch of others. And so, you know, I think the evolution of technology has created a consumer, a modern consumer, not just in Gen Z, but everywhere that moves faster than the platforms themselves. Um, and I think Facebook kind of failed in their ability to adapt and innovate. And they also failed on the concept, which is, you know, an age old concept, which is once the parents get in, it's not cool anymore. And uh, that was the case for Facebook. Why do you think kids are all over TikTok? You know, a little bit of it has to do with the UI UX, but the majority of it is just, hey, there's no parents on here because it's really hard to figure out. And, uh, you know, that was the same for Snapchat when Snapchat became big. And um, so it's for those reasons that, yeah, I think Facebook has done, done a very poor job reaching a younger demographic. But in all honesty, I'm, I'm glad that has been the case because, you know, um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook's internal documents and, and others. I do think they're getting grilled for what the entire industry also is in on. You know, it's like, oh, you know, our platform's addictive. That's the sole job of marketing. Like, I, that's everyone ever. You know, Google's addictive. Microsoft Office Teams is addictive. Like, that's kind of the point. Like, email's addictive. Slack is addictive. Like, you get a message and it makes that, that same noise every single time. And, uh, you know, so... I think they're they're kind of getting grilled for something that's more of a tech problem, not just a Facebook problem. Uh, however, I think they will be one of the leaders in the metaverse. And when they are, uh, the generation that will drive that forward is going to be the younger side of Gen Z and Gen Z that will be a little bit older in the workplace. Uh, but the generation that's really going to drive that is Gen, Gen Alpha. And so the way I look at it, Facebook almost skipped a generation. They, they, you know, they were launched to millennials and they kind of aged up and Gen Z was all but kind of skipped in that mix. And now they're going to go straight to skipping over Gen Z and going to Gen Alpha because inevitably the, the, the iPad generation, as I like to call them, you know, that's going to be the, the best integration with the metaverse. Oh, yeah, that's so interesting that it but it almost has to skip a generation by default because you can't have two generations next to each other using it simultaneously because it can only be cool for one subset of people at one time or two, two subsets that are at least one generation away from each other because then you can create your own world. And that's so interesting because, um, yeah, I mean, like my sister uh, is like a few years younger than me and like she doesn't have Facebook. She never has like her friends don't really use it. Like it's all Snapchat, like mostly Snapchat's a little bit of Instagram. Um, but yeah, I didn't even think about that. How like basically an entire like, so, you know, per se, an entire generation doesn't even use, didn't even get onboarded to Facebook or and it wasn't even cool. Nothing about it was cool because when they went to join, their parents had talked about it before them. Whereas in my case, I created a Facebook before my parents did. So I, it was fine. I was the, I was the person, right? Like I was, I, I let it, you know, and then for them to come on after, then I'm like, oh, it's not cool anymore. Let's go to Instagram or whatever. 
Um, but if your parents are on the platform first, shit, you ain't gonna join that. No yeah. matter, almost no matter what. Um, but I think that opens up a, a, a an avenue here for consumption and content in general. I TikTok's been around for a while, right? Like, were you guys in TikTok five years ago at all, or was that a conversation then? Yeah. So OG TikTok was actually Musically before then being purchased and and then ultimately becoming TikTok. Um, you know, it's funny. We, you know, we dabbled in Musically quite a bit. It, it was very, very low key, even with the the generation, let alone the business world. You know, and then it obviously revamped to TikTok. Funny enough, one of our, you know, one of our team members, our head of influence marketing, Amanda Johansson, she was actually one of the first ever verified creators on even before TikTok on Musically. Uh, and then it came over and she was one of the biggest influencers on TikTok and really pioneered the way for the modern kind of influencer, you know, on TikTok. And, and now, of course, she runs influencer marketing because I converted her to the dark side uh and and the business side where you don't get screwed over by brands and instead we're determining those budgets um and so <clears throat> yeah you know musically was um was a really interesting platform that kind of uh, kind of rose up in the the absence of vine but wasn't quite what tiktok is today by any means it was more about song and acting and dance and like it was yeah and and it played you know it played your movements at like a 1.5x speed like it was really strange um but it got good traction and uh you know that's that set the foundation and then when it rebranded to tiktok that's when i i went all in and said look this is going to be big we need to get in on it we started testing some things we probably didn't get our first client on there until maybe late i think late 2018. um so in terms of standards for everyone else uh very early Standards internally, that was like kind of right on pace. Um, but, you know, we've been very much OGs of the platform. Uh, and I think that this platform itself, TikTok, is incredible. And some of the viewership we see there is just insane. And it's it, it just, it, it's not just a platform where Gen Z is on. Like, it's a platform that has a greater impact on culture than any other platform in human history. Um, and that includes, you know, internet type platforms. Like it has that big of an impact on culture and what takes place. That is a bold statement. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I agree with it. Um, and I want to act like I don't know. I know how TikTok works to an extent, but I want to act like I don't know. Was the organic reach always there from the beginning? And then can you speak on maybe like why? Okay, like, yes, bold statement, but why? What is it? What is about the platform? Yeah. So it's two things. The primary feed that you are going to go in with is uh, under the FYP, which when you log on to the app, you're going to have an option on the left, top left, and top right, both kind of in the middle, though. One's going to be following, the other's going to be. Uh, home or FYP. You say FYP, it might be like home or something now. And um, so when that's the primary feed, that isn't limited to people you're following. Now, the problem of Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn is the majority of the content you see is people you're connected to. And so you're not ever exploring new content or seeing new stuff that you otherwise wouldn't see. And so how does the platform kind of hook you in? Um, so that's probably the, the, the number one reason why, 
Uh, the second reason is because of the amount of creators on the platform. Um, because the, the production quality is so low and because they create trends and sounds and, and movements on the, on the platform, it's easy for anyone to be able to jump in. And when everyone's creating with it, you want to not only create, but you want to consume more. So you consume more then you create and you kind of become a, a part of it a bit. Um, and I would say the final thing is the algorithm. Uh, it is the best algorithm from a sense of if you just download, if you've never used TikTok before, you download on your phone, go spend 10 minutes on the platform, you'll get some stuff that you don't care to see and log out, come back like 15 minutes later, log back in and you will immediately go through your FYP and it will be spot on and it will be exactly the content you want to see. And what's crazy is it won't just be one particular category like it would be on like Instagram, you know, like how Instagram explores kind of broken up into different categories. For me, it's like I have NBA stuff and then I have like business stuff and then I have like meme stuff but they're all in separate kind of chains. And if I click on one of those chains, it's only going to be that type of stuff. Whereas on uh, TikTok, it's like all of that. And it's all happening simultaneously and they're all happening one over the other. And um, I think that's, those are kind of the three reasons as to why TikTok has become what it's become. And I'll share a little case study real quick, just to get you a sense of how big of a platform this is. There was a campaign. This is on our TikTok, by the way. This is Trendsetters. Just search Trendsetters without the vowels on TikTok and you'll find it. And uh, uh, we just posted a case study video there. We generated 8.4 billion impressions for a brand called PacSun. Uh, that is everyone on the earth theoretically seeing that at least once. And realistically, that is the 1.5 to 2 billion active users on TikTok seeing the video at a minimum three times. Um, an even better metric is just saying, hey, let's say a billion people that are potential buyers or a billion Gen Z all saw, um, you know, all saw this, a billion saw it seven times. Well, that's your entire marketing funnel. You know, it takes seven touch points to convert someone. That, that's seven right there. And um, the way we did that was we created a custom audio on the platform. We commissioned a music artist to create a song. Uh, that song was called High Wasted, like high wasted jeans, but also getting high and wasted. Really creative how he named that. And then what we did was we filmed a behind the, behind the lyrics set with him, kind of like how uh, Genius does. And we asked him to explain certain lyrics. And then we did a shoot, uh, you know, outside of our content house on the beach. And we filmed people running around with all the jeans and shit. And it was all these influencers. Um, and then we hired on some influencers to create a dance to it on their own and push that out using custom audio. And then we had all this go out on a Monday. The hashtag started with 700,000 views. Hashtag get your jeans on. Um, by the end of the first day, it was only about 15 million, but that was about our goal for the campaign. So we were like, sweet, we already hit our goal. Then we wake up the next morning and we are the number one trending on TikTok. And that happens for three straight days. And it goes from you know 15 million views to 4.4 billion views. And we actually passed hashtag Olympics. Uh, wow. By the way, this was when the Olympics were going on. Uh, 
So we were getting a bit more viewership than the Olympics uh, on TikTok, which is kind of crazy. And, you know, it'll end up going down as one of the best campaigns on the platform ever. Um, but all of that said, there's no platform in human existence that you can get 8.4 billion views on something. Uh, and so it's for that reason that the opportunity on TikTok is immense. And this isn't just a Gen Z opportunity. I'm talking to you know, I talked to a uh, uh, recruiting company yesterday that is all over TikTok to recruit and train and educate young people. And they're using TikTok both as a way to attract young kids on the platform, but they're also seeing that it's attracting businesses, other businesses that are on TikTok that are seeing them. And now they want them to run recruiting for them. And it's, it's just a, a crazy world. And it's because that algorithm is purposely connecting you to the right people. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of an essay there, but uh, TikTok, probably the most underrated platform uh, ever. I love it, man. Take a second, sip some coffee, man. You gotta, <laughs> I'm glad that came in for you. Um, it's early Jake's time. So for people listening, um, he booked this nice and early in the, in the morning so we can start off the day on a podcast. Um, but yeah, I digress. Um, wow, incredible. I love that. Um, I I have a like a very specific question um that probably isn't important but 8 billion impressions how how do you think that that matches up is it 1 billion people seeing it eight times do you is it 8 billion people is it you know 4 billion people seeing it twice it's like I know it probably doesn't matter but like what do you think like do you know and then what do you think where do you think those impressions come from because there's not 8 billion people on the platform so people would have to see it twice or three times like what does that look like? I'm so curious about that. I think what it is, is if I were to mix it up, let me do some quick math here. So I think it's about 200 million people seeing it like probably 10 to 15 times. So call it like two to 3 billion. Let's just call it three, which I don't even think the math is accurate, but whatever. It's early. We're not a math show here, so we're good. <laughs> uh, uh, the majority is going to come from a smaller audience base. Granted, 200 million is a ton of people seeing it a lot. And then, you know, the rest, people are going to see it like a few times. But I also think the reality is like of the platform, probably 70% of the platform didn't see the hashtag at all. And the reason they didn't see the hashtag at all is because they're not, you know, going to be in that demographic and they don't want to see, you know, this song called the high and wasted by pack sun and pushing it out. And, you know, these young kids running on the beach because there's some like 38 year old guy into fishing that's on the platform. And that is not going to going to come up on his algorithm. And I think that's, what's most impressive about the algorithm is the fact that not only are you always going to see what you want to see, but you're not going to see what you do not want to see. And that is really important when it comes to long-term retention of users, as well as getting people to buy into your shit, because you know there's a longer story on it, but I think negative impressions that take place on social media, which is we get in front of people, we, but we don't get in front of them at the right time and we create a negative impression. It's something not talked about at all. We only talk about impressions, but I would never say, you know, Oh, you know, I definitely, uh, well, I guess they do in context. Like I made a, you know, I met this girl last night and I made an impression on her. Let's say like, you know, I met this girl last night and I gave an impression. Well, was it a good impression? Was it a bad impression? You know, are you guys going on a date next week or are you blocked in her phone? Like, which is it? Because 
there's not we can't assume it's always going to be a good one and yeah because uh, i've been we've been both been turned off by people who try to market to us a hundred times and like all you know why we can't think of a bad example is because we don't give a fuck about those brands because i don't remember totally blocked out of your brain yeah yep. exactly and so but that's true those brands i click i don't want to see this anymore once they come up four hundred thousand times you know so that's why yeah but that's the point of the platform sorry to cut you off but that's the point of the platform is that you see what you want to see. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Not that 8 billion people saw it. That wasn't the point. Yeah. And it's so funny because we've gotten now to this point where we're talking about, you know, this is why Gen Z loves the platform so much because you ultimately are going to see what you want to see. If I were to summarize the generation overall, that's what it would be. This is a generation that we know what we want to take place on this planet. We know the problems that we want to fix. We know what we want to see from the world tomorrow. We can very visualize that future. And this generation is not taking any chances or anything for granted and making that happen. And so when you see a generation that's incredibly vocal and they're pissed off at the world and they want to make some change and they're sick of their employers telling them what to do and they're sick of the exact same job market that has existed, you know, the, the same work model that has existed since the fucking factory lines uh, and the education system that was only created. So we had some place to send kids while what? While the parents were in the factory lines. They're seeing this world. And, you know, then we see from the Industrial Revolution how that's impacted climate change. The majority of our planet, for all the incredible technology we have, we haven't changed large parts of our society that were implemented because of the Industrial Revolution. But we are so far past the Industrial Revolution, and we're entering a new wave, and we're enter entering, you know, this next revolution, call it whatever you want, and, you know, not even including everything in Web 3.0 and crypto and DeFi and NFT and what that's going to mean. So this is generation that we know we want, we want to see, and they're not going to rest to make it happen. And that's why you're seeing incredible rates of entrepreneurship. You're seeing kids start side hustles while they're still in high school. You're seeing kids refuse to go down the corporate route or to go, you know, do a four-year degree and then a two-year MBA program. Um, you are seeing significant resistance in the market, and that's resistance that's going to continue. And this is... In all of human history, this is the most powerful generation ever because they have the tools to connect them with not only each other, but with other generations. And one of the phrases that's in our brand video on our site that I always love to recite is, as Generation Z, we didn't create the generational divide. We acknowledged it. There's always a generational divide. It's not because the millennials are pissed off or Gen Z's pissed off. This has existed for all of human history. Go way the hell back to evolution. I'm sure, you know, cavemen, the 16-year-old was pissed at the, you know, at the time, you know, maybe you're 42, right? That's the elder. And uh, you know, that was that that's always going to be the case. But we're acknowledging this generational divide and we want to work with older generations to solve this issue, but we can't do it alone. This has to be generational collaboration. And that's our core mission at Trendsetters, which is how can I create a company with the most talented Gen Z on the planet that we can go work with the incredible leaders of yesterday? And how can we work together to create a better future? That's the question that, that I wake up with every morning. And that's the question that our entire generation should be asking. 
and I think that there a gap exists there, meaning that, um, I mean, we've seen it. We see it all the time. I mean, cancel culture, whether, you know, deplatforming, things like that, where it's like, I uh, totally agree with the sentiment that the antidote to bad speech is more speech, not shutting down the speech. And that's, and that's what, that's why I have a podcast as well, man. Like, this is how I feel that things actually get, you know, things can actually change when you have actually real conversations. And that's what you're trying, you're bridging that gap because you have a TikTok influencer over here who sees the world in one way and they want to change the world, but they'll vilify maybe, you know, maybe wrongly, but just because that's their, their uh, opinion, they may vilify somebody who, like you said, was the leader of yesterday who they feel did something wrong. But the real thing that you can do is take the leader of yesterday and the leader of today and bring them together to have a conversation or collaboration. Um, and that's so important. And I love that you touched on, um, on, on kind of on the waking up and that's how I look at it. M MBAs are fucking scams. Like a lot of these degrees are scams. A lot of these companies are, are, they just want you to do more and pay you the same amount. Um, and, and you feel like you have this little, you know, uh, little slice of comfortability, but then they could fire you whenever they want, you know? So it's like this crazy thing that we're kind of all, a lot of us are waking up to this. And I think it's a symptom of the, um, yeah, of the social media and of the being able to create, like you can just be an influencer and create content only. And that's your a business. Like you don't I, even yeah. need a, a, a team. That's a job. And by the way. That's the number one, you know, when you ask 12 year olds, when they pull this, when they ask 12 year olds, what do they, what do you want to be when you grow up? This is crazy. Uh, 23%, which is the number one answer, want to be a YouTuber specifically. The second answer at 21% is influencer. And then way the hell down the line is like astronaut, scientist, doctor, you know, entrepreneur, et cetera. Um, so the tide is shifting when half of the youth doesn't no longer, by the way, for, for the past like a hundred years, what has it been? Well, not a hundred, but it's always been athlete, then, uh, you know, astronaut, and then like mad scientist or something like that. And uh, it's crazy to see that shifting, even for, for our generation. And when we were 12, that's what our answers would have been because the influencer didn't really exist then. Those you know? were the influencers. Kobe was the influencer. LeBron was a whoever it was. Yeah. Exactly. And now it's like Mr. Beast will rack up more views than like the MLB World Series playoffs. Like, you know, now that my Dodgers are out, I haven't watched a, a fucking game. And honestly, I don't think I watched a single regular season game on the TV. Like I went to a ton of Dodgers games, but I don't think I watched a single one on TV because like, why the hell? And I don't know anyone my age. I would I would have extra tickets sometimes. I would invite them. They wouldn't even want to go. And it's like, that's very indicative of of the past. And we we take the MLB as like the this huge company that will never be broken. But then we see an entire generation that would rather binge esports than the MLB. And it's like the way I look at it, it's the MLB, you know, maybe it has more prestige and history, but we shouldn't glorify it because of its past. We should take things as the reality of today, which is objectively the esports is a much bigger market. And, you know, it doesn't have an insane history or past, but it's going to have an incredible future. And so, that's just one example of many where we need to stop putting the past on a pedestal and we need to instead just look at the reality of today truly objectively. Don't you love that when people talk about mainstream media as if like the news is mainstream media? Like, let's, yeah. if you look at the numbers, 
it's not (laughs) anymore it might have been but it's not like if you imagine if you took youtube impressions on a daily basis and compared that to like any fucking tv like combined it's got to be exponentially greater um exactly you know it's like why even get pissed off at like all the the news misinformation whatever and there was a joe rogan podcast and the whole cnn thing and lying about his story his covid story whatever and it's like joe like we don't even care your podcast probably gets more listens than they get viewership like why do you even care (laughs) that's what he said he was like i'm the mainstream media now basically like dude i get 11 million views per episode and then you would get like five hundred thousand to a million or something like that he's like i'm mainstream way more mainstream we put the past on a pedestal and that's the reason why in you and i's minds what's more you know what what's bigger what is a jargon podcast or cnn like we we want to assume it's cnn but it's actually not even close it's 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 podcasts and youtube and tiktok and others yeah and it's incredible yeah the numbers don't lie and 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 to be honest advertising has not kept up right like the advertising dollars gary v said this fucking five years ago and he's gonna say it again this year because he never stops talking about the same shit until shit changes yeah but yeah why are you running ads on tv you're such like it just makes no sense why would paxon realizes paxon knows right that they where is everybody there's eight billion people right here on tiktok for us and that's what we have to do that's where the people are that's where our 200 million are um and uh so powerful man but and then on the other side of it is and just you're familiar with justin yen right uh declassified college yeah so um he said mentioned something which i love this other side of it which is the the length of a career of a content creator is 25 months or something like that and and i don't know where that data came from i don't really know uh if it's true or or it's definitely not true for everybody but we we can't get it wrong being a content creator slash influencer is fucking hard and it's hard to make money and and it's hard to get brand deals now the truth is that Yes, brands used to have the, all the power, right? Then brand-powered influencers had all the power. NBA-powered Kobe, NBA-powered LeBron, right? So, and I use these references because I really only know basketball and I barely even know sports, so I don't have a lot of good examples. But it used to be that now it's platform-powered influencers, right? So TikTok powers your your whatever, your YouTube powers Mr. Beast, right? So that's so it's changing, right? But the platforms do still have a lot of power and if you don't have what all these marketer people say oh if you don't have an email list dude you're screwed and it's like well you know they can unsubscribe from your email list they can change their email i have seven emails right it's not practical but 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 i'm just i think we're in this position now when it's like yes things are changing yes brands don't have as much power yes influencers actually influencers combined have will have a lot more power for the most part these massive platforms have a lot more um power that's kind of unregulated meaning that like this influence over here has power and so does this one over here and they don't tell them what to do um but then you have alex jones effect where you get kicked off of youtube because you you said something said a lot of things that people don't agree with and then the platform makes their own rules to take you off so i i know there's a whole jumble of things there but but um it's not black and white it's not like you you have forty thousand followers and then that's your job for the rest of your life um you know but it definitely is it's different and it's changing and you can be a youtuber but once you do it for two years you might realize like oh my god this is some this is some real work you know this is some real grind shit yeah and i think what's inevitable is the decentralization of social media uh things will become platformless and when they do it will be more so influencer powered platforms 
which are their own unique platforms. And, you know, it's at that moment that influencers take power away from the platforms themselves that they helped create. Because at the end of the day, these, these platforms don't exist without influencers. That's just the reality. And that's the reason why Vine died was they didn't pay their creators. So their creators, what they do, they left. And then, you know, then you get a, a, a bad buyout from Twitter who has probably done nothing with the platform. Uh, you know, integrate the code and for video on, on Twitter, like, you know, maybe. So, you know, I think all of that said, um, that is the future. It's going to be influencer powered platforms where it's going to have a lot more to do with the influencer than the platform itself. And that's inevitable. That will take place uh, within the next, you know, five to 10 years. Um, and then beyond that, then it becomes influencer powered brands, which I think is a, a whole another category with, you know, Mr. Beast Burger and Item Beauty and Fenty and a bunch of others. Like, there's incredible potential in that space that I think is going to be inevitable. But that's probably another uh, another two hour combo. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, Jake, thank you so much for for joining me today. I really I had a lot of fun going through this and talking Gen Z. It's something that I care about, and I am on. I'm an old soul. I'm an old school cat. I rock with these podcasts. I do the two and three hour podcast sometimes. This is what I'm doing. I. You're, I mean, I had three guests that have over 20, 30,000 followers on TikTok where it's like at this point, I'm like, I, I'm really an idiot for not posting, right? Like, what the hell am I doing? You yeah. know, and hey, Instagram, Jump on, man. I know Instagram Reels has been great to me. I will say Instagram Reels somehow likes my content. It does pretty well. And there I'm like, I should just post it on TikTok too. So it's like every conversation that comes up, it's it's always there. It's trying to, you know, get me back on, on that platform so I can pull some more organic reach for the podcast. Um, but yeah, man, to wrap it up, thank you so much. And if you could just let people know quickly, um, you know, where you're at, uh, Instagram wise, I will have everything down below. So you don't have to, you know, go through all the links, but just where can people find you? Yeah. Hit me up. Jake Bajorseth, Jake X Bajorseth, B-J-O-R-S-E-T-H on pretty much all socials. So hit me up anytime. I'm an absolute nerd for what I do. So I welcome any and all questions. Do not be afraid to reach out. Seriously. Sweet. Awesome, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Bobcast. We are on all platforms, even the ones nobody uses. Thanks again. And do not go anywhere. We do have something for you in the outro. Jake, thanks again for being here, man. Thank you. Anytime. Hey, it's Sully. Before we head out, one quick ask. And let me describe this to you. Would you like to receive one email per month from me covering everything we talked about on the podcast during that month. This will also include music content, uh, videos, YouTube, video versions of the podcast, anything podcast or content related for the month covered in one email per month. So this is our newsletter. So if you would just go to sullybop.com on your phone, computer, tablet, whatever you're on right now, S-U-L-L-Y-B-O-P, so just type that in sullybop.com and scroll to the very bottom of that homepage and you'll see join our newsletter right there. Now, that will cover, as I said, all the topics we talk about on the podcast, just a synopsis of the content for the month. So if you feel that that would be valuable, please do join that. I will also include uh, things I'm reading, things I'm interested in this particular month, supplements I'm taking, etc. So if that's something that's up your alley, please join our newsletter. I would really appreciate it. Okay, let you go. Have a great one and we'll see you on the next one.